Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listener, to this episode 19 of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. With me as always today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And John is here. Hey there. Today we are in our back issue edition, and that's the edition of the show where we like to take a single comic book story arc or character and dig in deep from the 70s, 80s, or 90s. Today we dive deep into two comics that set up the greatest Teen Titan story ever, The Judas Contract. But first... <laughs> We've got some listener email. First up on the listener email today is Guano Guy. He references something that I kind of rambled on about in one of our news segments a few episodes ago. He wait, says, wait, wait. You when did you ever ramble? I have no I recollection know, of right? this. I, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's dubious. I'm usually very clear, concise, and to the point. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's exactly what you are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Guado Guy says, I'm coming out with a comic called The Strip Mall. It's totally different than The Mall. <laughs> it's about mobsters running strip clubs in the back of their mall stores, which explains why when you send your child to the mall, they end up buying a $50 t-shirt. I guess that explains what's been going on with my kids for the last wow. 10 years. So Does a lap dance come with yeah. that? <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we have a second piece of listener email today. What what an embarrassment of riches you have. I wow. know. And there are more out there. I just couldn't fit them all in. Wow. Well, you're finally, you can stop complaining. You get enough emails. Now you got more right. you can handle. Well, no, you no, go. no, no, no. Don't do that because they're going to stop writing. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so just, so just keep complaining. You keep getting more. That's right. I see. All right. <laughs> Today's second email comes from Matthew. He says, I haven't missed an episode yet, and both of the podcasts are great. Well, there you go, John. Some no. Gen X grown-up podcast niceness to be spread around. I love it. We love it. Listener email. <laughs> yes. Even more if you, you love our shows. Right? <laughs> he says, I like the new format of Drawn and Paneled. I didn't read a lot of comic books growing up, but I did like them. This gives me a chance to get more involved and an opportunity to dive into them more as well. Again, thank you for your podcast. Have a great day and keep it up. Thank you, Matthew. Awesome, Matthew. Awesome. Thank I, you, I call Matthew. That email. Yeah. I love when they say they love the new format, but Matthew forgot to say it's because I'm here, which is my favorite part of people I don't loving think the he new format. That. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he forgot that at all. You suspect yeah, that he just left that out. I think yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Grand prize. Nine kids win a one-week trip to Hollywood. They'll have breakfast with these superheroes. And the villain they've created. Second prize. 1,000 win bicycles. Millions will enter and everyone who does gets superheroes puppy stickers. Details on specially marked boxes of Alphabet, Super Sugar Crisp, Honeycomb, and Pebble Cereal. Don't you know that you're a Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, hey everybody, and George, hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. 
And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. I don't make any secret out of the fact that I am a uh, comic book noob and neophyte, but I know a little bit about <laughs> comic books. But I, if, if there's anything I know less about than comic books, it's the comic book creators who you guys can sure. rattle off like members of bands and people that are in film. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so so this uh, this Teen Titans kind of prequel to the Judas Contract has some really notable names in it. Yeah, it does. I'm going to start right off with the main guy, Marv Wolfman. So this guy is a writer. He was born May 13th in 1946 in Brooklyn, New York. Go figure. Figure, Marvel guy from New York, right? Right. <laughs> um, he has quite a few different notable books, and I'm just going to run through a couple of them because we're going to talk about Marv Wolfman in the ne- very next podcast. But essentially, like the Tomb of Dracula, John. I know you know this next one, Blade. You've heard of that? Oh guy. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's uh, a, he's a Jason, vampire that has a big sword. He is. He's a vampire hunter who's <laughs> also a vampire Daywalker, with a big sword. Yes. I learned that. Yeah. I learned that a drone and panel that he's not just you a hunter. Did. He's also a vampire. <laughs> Teachable moment. Nice. So proud. Um, also, Jason's one of Jason's favorite series, The Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. He did some work there. Daredevil as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's done quite a few of the major Marvel titles, and it's no coincidence that he's also won a crap ton of awards. This guy won the Shazam Award in 1973. Now, it's not like you go Shazam and an award's on your table. I was wondering about that. (laughs) Shazam, Uh, I won. (laughs) Woohoo! He won the Ink Pot Award in 1979. He won the Eagle Award in both 1982 and 1984. He won the Jack Kirby Award in 85 and 86. It all just seems so unfair. I mean, it's just crazy. He just keeps going on and on. And then you want to talk about writing, working with some of the better publishers. He's worked with Bongo, Chaos, Dark Horse, DC, Devil's Due, Disney, Eclipse. I'm running out of breath just like I do when I read the Patreons off at the end of the episode. Is that a good thing? I mean, if if you have a resume and you look where a bunch of places are like, so I see you can't hold down a job. Well, it's a little bit different in the comic book world. I mean, it's more like contract work. Right. You, you do yeah, work for is. multiple people. Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> you know, because they're writing multiple things. They're, they're, they're mostly working from home. Although back in the day, Marvel had offices that they would yeah. come into with shirts mm-hmm. and ties on and stuff, but they get to work on all this other stuff on the side. And also there's different eras in their life. Like they're not working for Marvel for 30 years, they're oh, working it, for yeah. them for like two or three years. Then they move on to DC or whoever. So just an amazing accomplishment and resume. Probably when you start reading some of the accomplishments that he has, has it might put him on you know we talk about the mount rushmore of comic book creators that Mm -hmm. his resume certainly gets a good look at that you know at that kind of Uh, level yeah absolutely well there's another little known guy uh that did the art uh you you may (laughs) some of the our listeners have probably heard this name before george perez well they've certainly heard the name george before that's That's true (laughs) you're talking about a talented one though oh wow wow There we go. That's how this segment's going to go from now on, apparently. There we go. (laughs) He was born June 9th, 1954 in New York City. There you go. Another New Yorker. Wow. He's got a lot of notable 
characters and books he's worked on, The Avengers, one of our favorites from John and Paneled, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm, yep. Even did a lot on Wonder Woman Volume 2 after Crisis on Infinite Earths. So he's done right. a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's probably drawn almost every character you can think of. Yeah, not just DC, but Marvel too, obviously. Marvel, yes. And he's really good at fitting a bunch of characters on one page, and they're all distinguishable and have their own little traits. And so he's, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, and of course, just like his buddy Marv Wolfman, he's won a lot of awards. Uh, won the Eagle Award in 79, 80, 86, and 2000. Wow. So, That's a big gap, 86 to 2000. <laughs> but jeez. So, Jason, can I ask you, so you said he worked for DC and Marvel. Uh, is there any kind of like, so they're fierce competitors, but is there any kind of a bad blood between people working at both? Or is it such a community that they just happen to be two places you can work? Or is it like going to the dark side if somebody switches from one to the other as a as a <laughs> as an artist or as a writer? I, I think it depends case by case. Some people uh you know, they do their contract at Marvel and then, you know, some of their buddies have gone over to DC and say, hey, I've got this book I want you to work on and they'll go do that. Uh, you know, and I think somebody like George Perez can do that. Uh, he's, you know, well known and has a lot of great works behind him. But then there's probably cases where somebody gets fed up and leaves and goes across the street to DC. So it, okay. it just well, is, is it seen yeah. like as taboo uh, to do that or is it pretty common? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a common. little taboo. Yeah, is it? I would say, but, but it, but Jason's right. It's also common Um, and taboo, meaning that like those of us in the comic book outsiders world, the fans are like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. he went from Marvel to DC, but in the offices, they're like, yeah, you know, we we work (laughs) right across street, like Marvel and DC, literally their offices were like a few blocks apart at that point. So is it more like, you know, I used to flip burgers at McDonald's. Now I flip burgers at Burger King. It's not a big deal. I think so. So It's another kitchen. (laughs) You got to remember too, like certain people hold different statuses. Like George Perez, he actually worked on that crossover that we talked about a couple episodes ago when we did the Dark Phoenix thing mm-hmm. where we were talking about how they brought the new Teen Titans in along with the Dark Phoenix retread right, topic. Right. That was Perez working on that because he had worked at both DC and Marvel. He knew people at both places and was able to help broker that deal for a little Facilitate. while. Facilitate. Okay. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There you yeah. Go. And he, and he's worked for Boom Studios, DC, Image, Marvel, probably a lot more. But you know, he's definitely yeah. known for his DC and Marvel work. Yeah, his DC is probably top of the list. Is he also well uh, credentialed in all of his awards, Jason? Oh, he is. Yeah. So uh, you know, he won the Eagle Award in you know three different decades. Also won the Inkpot Award in '83, and then the Jack Kirby Award. Which uh, I'm surprised he only won it twice, '85 and '86, since he's such a great artist. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, he definitely, he racks up the awards just like Marv Wolfman does. A lot of the same ones I'm hearing. Yep. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about the next guy, the inker. We make fun of the inkers a little bit because, you know, they, they get labeled as tracers and different <laughs> stuff. For, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're not really creating. But obviously they have a very important job when it comes to comic books. The guy who did the work on these books is Romeo Tong Hall. And the reason I know how to pronounce that is because he was born in 1943 in the Philippines where my <laughs> wife was born. Okay. So, see, I would have read that as Romeo, but it is not, huh? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Um, and he most notable, he's most notable for working on the new Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. He did win an Inkpot Award in 2013, so he's still pretty active. And he's worked for a couple of different publishers, Continuity Comics, DC, obviously, Eclipse, Marvel. So, John, there's another crossover mm-hmm, guy. Yeah. He 
worked yeah. for both DC and Marvel. That is pretty common. And Valiant. So he's he's worked quite a few places, and he's got a, a good resume. You know, he's born in 43, so he's been doing this for a little while. Um, and I think he did some really strong work in the books that we're going to talk about today. So I was happy to see him on the list. I want to talk a little bit about the colorist, Adrienne Roy. We've mentioned her before on this show. Mm-hmm. She's shown up a few times. She was born in... Uh, 1953, June 28th in Austin, Texas. So uh, a little bit south of New York City. Not a New Yorker. (laughs) Definitely not. She unfortunately passed away in December of 2010. Mm. Um, Yeah, I read that she died of cancer, unfortunately. Yes, but she has some notable works. Batman, Detective Comics, New Teen Titans. She did a lot of work in the 80s and 90s on all the Batman titles uh, and was like the primary colorist uh, for those, those titles, which Batman's a big deal with the uh, comics and DC in general. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you get to do whatever your creative talent is on Batman for DC, then you know, you've mm-hmm. made it. They're not just going to put some Joe Schmo off the street and say, Oh, here, come color Batman for us. No, you got to know what you're doing. So even I knew that Batman's a big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we buy Superman peanut butter? Our brand's fine, honey. Have you ever tasted Superman peanut butter? Gentlemen, these two books were loaded with characters. And oh, yeah, <laughs> there, there was a lot just in two issues. But I think first we need to, for our listeners, let, let's do the rundown of who is on the new Teen Titans. And for John. And for, and John, for John, yes. And for John. <laughs> Well, I'm going to run through them real quick then, since Teen Titans are my favorite comic book series of all time. You've got Robin, who changes his character identity later on, and people will know that him as Nightwing, mm-hmm. but everybody remembers Dick Grayson as Robin, mm-hmm. first and foremost. You've also got Raven, who kind of brought the team together in issue number one, which we talked about in the very first right. episode right? of Drawn and Paneled. Yep. So you've got Robin, Raven, then you've got Starfire, who was the alien that came to Earth, you know, as she was being chased around, and John didn't understand the whole intro sequence there and everybody yeah. remember that <laughs> you've also got wonder girl not wonder woman but wonder girl okay. er, let me you stop got, you there so, oh, yeah, so okay. there's this first question so i know the teen titans because like i watched the cartoons in the early 2000s so okay so you don't know the teen titans <laughs> yeah. shut up <laughs> so <laughs> right away right, so i know raven and beast boy and these, but then you start to get into so donna troy is she related to deanna troy is she also an amazon uh, she is an Amazon. Okay. Yes. She has uh, the same as last far name. as related to, she has the same last name because it's an adoption situation. Her parents, she's trying to find them throughout the early parts of the new Teen Titans mm-hmm. series. Okay. So she just Wonder Woman Jr. Is she, I mean, I don't mean even like lineage wise. Yeah, she's just one. another yes. Wonder Woman, but a teenage yeah. version of her. Because that's what the new Teen Titans, the whole thing, that like was the, from idea. the original Teen Titans comic books and the new Teen Titans revamp. It was all the sidekicks, right? Okay. So oh, like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, Kid Flash, who we're going to talk. Mm-hmm. a little bit about okay. you know speedy back in the day on the teen titans he was arrow's sidekick so you have all these sidekicks and they wanted to do something with them because people were starting to feel like their characters were, were more interesting but they didn't have their own title okay. all right so that, <laughs> that answers donna troy for me all right thank you yeah <laughs> so you've also got cyborg you've also got changeling sure, stopping you again um, okay changeling okay, okay stopping no, you again. So, <laughs> so first of all his name is like gar or something a stupid name i've ever heard yeah okay gar Garfield. <laughs> But, yeah. Oh, it's your Garfield. Gar oh, I, I never at yes. no point did I hear him called Garfield. They just called him Gar. And like he's named after like a well, toothy fish. They or? talk about it in 
they talk about it in the very first oh, introduction okay, okay. book Got it. where he's introduced, but that's not New Teen Titans number right. one. That was he, I forgot what that. And title he's stupid was, rich, by the way. But it is he's he's adopted stupid. Is he rich. also Beast Boy, or is that a different person? He is okay. It's the same character. because again, I watched As the cartoon fact, in the early two thousands. I'm aware of Beast Boy. <laughs> so the the cartoon is referencing that original title, and in the New Teen Titans, he makes specific references to not wanting to be called Beast Boy. He hates that uh, name. I see. You call me. Now, they didn't go that route with the (laughs) right (laughs) they didn't go that route with the cartoon which is one of the reasons why i'm not a big fan of the cartoon because it just takes what i love and dumbed it down and made it silly and stupid and it wasn't anything i could ever enjoy teen titans go i get if that's where your frame of reference (laughs) is is why you reference which which i'm sure is (laughs) blasphemy for someone who is a teen titans uber fan and purist but that that, that was my introduction to them and still what i know the best because you know my daughter was of the age where i mean she dressed as Raven for Halloween. So, I mean, she was heavy sure. into the Teen Titans. So, <laughs> yeah. And they had quite a few of them. I think the last one that we haven't mentioned yet is Kid Flash. Um, everybody knows Wally mm-hmm. West. You know, he's been around forever. He's in the TV shows. He's on your cartoon. Wally West is pretty much yeah, everywhere. I'm good with that. <laughs> he becomes the Flash later on. So, <laughs> he's not really an unknown quantity. Uh, but that's the Teen Titan group. Now we need to get a little bit into the specific characters that really drive these stories forward. And I'm talking about these two prequel stories as well as what becomes the ultimate awesome Teen Titans story, the Judas Contract. And the very first guy you got to talk about is the Ravager Grant Wilson. He was created by Wolfman and Perez, as you might imagine. His first appearance was in New Teen Titans number one, where he's kind of an abusive boyfriend guy, right? And the Teen Titans kind of stop him from doing what he's doing and get the girl away from him. Uh, His team affiliations, which are very important to comic book guys like me, he was obviously affiliated with Hive in these Mm -hmm. books. And also when he was resurrected he was affiliated with the black lantern Corps. yes so some really weird stuff going on with this character um his abilities are enhanced strength he has a high intellect and he has super good reflexes so basically he's me Super strong, super smart, super nimble. Yeah, that's exactly who I am. Grant Wilson is obviously related to Deathstroke Slade Wilson, who's his father. His mother is Adeline Kane Wilson, who we're going to talk extensively about when we talk about the Judas contract later on in the next episode. Uh, Jericho Joseph Wilson is his brother. And then another character portraying the Ravager, Rose Wilson, is his half-sister. So he's got an extensive comic book family, which is really unusual for a character who was only only supposed to last for two issues. Yeah. Is this the same character that shows up pretty prominently in the Arrow TV show in the CW? The he Deathstroke does, Slade yes. guy? There is a Ravager. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. Now that's Deathstroke. Okay. This is Ravager. Ravager is Deathstroke's son. Okay. Well, they both show up on that show, don't they? The, so they, they have they the do. striped uh, mask. They look like they're a luchador and they're going to appear in some uh, Mexican wrestling. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Their, their outfits are very similar. And there's a reason for that, as we'll talk about when we get into the okay. story of this book as to why their outfits are so similar. It's obvious, you know, wanting to emulate mm-hmm. somebody that he sees as being awesome at what he does. Now, that would bring us then to Deathstroke, who is Slade Wilson. Yes, that's the guy who's been in the Arrow series. It's the same actor who was on the Spartacus yes. TV series. 
series that was very yep. popular on Showtime. Um, and by the way, portrayed phenomenally well. I think he may be one of the best like human to comic book or comic book to human crossovers I've seen done as far as an actor. Oh, yeah. he, he was my favorite part of the what little of the arrow I watched. I, I really enjoyed that sure. character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, created by Wolfman and Perez. His first appearance was in the issue. One of the issues we're going to talk about today, New Teen Titans number two. He's got a long list of team affiliations in Justice League, Suicide Squad, Secret Society of Super Villains. <laughs> Titans Wait, East, believe it or not. Su- secret yeah. societies? <laughs> secret so- of super villains. Yes. <laughs> Who would yes. join that? The SSSV. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, he was also a member of Titans East, if you can believe it or not. Uh, he was obviously <laughs> affiliated with Hive, as we'll talk about. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which always kind of bothered me because the original Titans Tower is in New yep. York. So how much further east are you going? Is that outside the country? Are you on Staten Island now? I don't really know. They how went they to Halifax up east, in the Canada. It's slightly further east. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Early on, you talked about the team, but in this book, I was pretty confused at the beginning because there was somebody that I'd never heard of in the, the pantheon mm-hmm. of the Teen Titans, especially not in my Cartoon Network <laughs> exposure, but mm-hmm. Tara or Tara or whatever her name was. And we find out we find out more about her later and why maybe you didn't hear about her. But so who is she to this universe? So Tara Markov, uh, known as her alias as Tara. Uh, like, like Earth. Quite a, yeah. Yeah. She was created by Wolfman and Perez. Her first appearance was New Teen Titans number 26. And her Mm -hmm. team affiliations were the Teen Titans, the Black Lantern Corps, the Ravengers. And yeah, she was with Deathstroke for a while, too. Which we find out toward the end of these books. (laughs) Right. And her abilities are Earth Manipulation. Which is really a crazy ability. It's one of the ones that you don't think about it, but it's actually an extremely powerful ability because you have to fight from a stance, right? You're standing on solid ground. Nope, not when you're fighting her. Well, she said early on, I could control the very Earth that we're standing on. I'm like, okay, and? Right. And then like I saw her flying, like she made a surfboard out of the rocks and I'm like, that's pretty badass. So she's like silver surfer without a board. She can go anywhere she wants. But but then mm-hmm. like yep. the rocks crumbled and she was free falling. So that didn't work out so well. <laughs> right. <laughs> she has an interesting family also. Her half brother is Brian Markov or Brian Markov, also known as Geoforce, who's a hero uh, with uh, DC's been the Justice this league. He's teamed up with Batman and her father is the king of Markovia. Well, and he's kind of like he's ostracized her, right? She, you know, she gets experimented on by people in his country and she gains these abilities along with her brother. And then he wants nothing to do with her. So he sends her away to avoid like, you know, scandal and stuff. So she's definitely there's a reason why as we get into the books, we find out she's pretty much batshit crazy. There's a <laughs> real kind of experimentation so. leads you to control the earth. It's like they made her eat dirt or like <laughs> 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 to become power masters. Their engine's the key that unlocks their transformer energy. We're under attack! Oh no, the Decepticons have power masters too! Guys, we're going to talk about two issues in this mm-hmm. back issue today. 
The first issue is New Teen Titans issue number two. And I keep saying the word issue a lot. So I'm going to keep saying issue, issue, okay. issue a few more times. <laughs> I'm just wondering if anybody's Alexa device is going to pop up. Now that you've said it, they will. And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> right out the gate of this book, you've got a lot of stuff going on. But let's talk a little bit about Hive. So Hive is this evil group that's all about taking down the Teen Titans for whatever reason. At least that's what we're seeing in the first uh, storyline mm-hmm. here. Right. They, they want to spread terror across the um, globe. They're, they're almost like a terrorist <laughs> upstart. Um, it's like they, a DC version like a, of Simon Bar Sinister from Underdog. It just, it just <laughs> chaos and take over and run the world. Yeah, that's pretty much all bad guys. Well, and they seem to have like, they must have a lot of well-laid plans because the first thing they do is they bring Deathstroke the Terminator in to try and, you know, get him to take on the Teen Titans for him. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I work alone yep. and I get paid up front. And they're like, nope, we're not paying you. He's like, well, screw you. I'm leaving. And they're they like, well, him. we're going to shoot you. And he's like, no, I'm super tough. You can't get me. And he kicks a metal door down and they're just holograms. So, and you think, well, they just screwed right. that whole negotiation. Really. Up, but it was right. part of their now, plan. Before you get into the negotiation, I just have to say, this was like two or three pages in, I think, when this all happened. And mm-hmm. I, I laughed out loud. And I'm like, well, this is not a modern book. because, And I, and, and I quote, <laughs> he says, I figured you turkeys were creeps. welcome to the 70s (laughs) yep well and i mean this is the early 80s 80s, so right there i mean but that but that knowing that same style of speech you know obviously comes from that that phrase yesterday john i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) they go on and they have this this crazy like i don't know how to describe it just this interwoven plan with all these different things that they've got figured out from the very beginning yeah well it was it was a it was a scheme to to foul the negotiations so that he would fight so that they could kind of uh, analyze his fighting style and kind of duplicate it. Right. That was mm-hmm. the, that was the grand mm-hmm. plan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They mm-hmm. wanted to scan him. And so they use all these technical terms this body laser scanner and this uh, gamma that, and you know, terms that, you know, they just made up on the right. fly as Wolfman was sitting there with friends. What the hell are we going to call this thing? You know, they didn't even have to like glue the ping pong balls. No. All over him to do no. it. It very impressive. <laughs> So they get all his body stuff and everything. And then what do they do? They prey upon somebody who's already had a run in with the new Teen Titans, his son, Grant Wilson. Yeah. And they grab Grant Wilson and they say, we want the Teen Titans. And you've heard about this guy, Deathstroke, who, you know, is this legendary assassin and everything. We've got all his abilities scanned into these computers and we can make you just like him or even better. Would you, If we do that, will you go kill the Teen Titans? He's like, hell yeah, I already hate those guys. Wow. And I'm just amazed he jumped to it because these guys, these hive guys, they're just sitting around in their Snuggies. (laughs) (laughs) He did get a whole bunch of powers fed Mm -hmm. into him, although because of the way it was done, it's obviously not a good thing. Right. He's he's going to have some issues that we're going to talk a little bit about later on in the issue. But before we get to it, we need to get back to the main core of the book. And that's the Teen Titans themselves, who apparently have taken the time to decide it's time to have a pool party and get to know each other. Yes, they did. Yeah. And that was probably my favorite part of the issue. Just when, you know, the comic books take the time to develop the characters and kind of show them doing other stuff than jumping around and punching people and saving the day. Sure. And, uh, you know. So I, I thought that was kind of a fun part. John, I want to ask you a little question because you're the father of a young lady who yep. I adore. And there was a lot of chauvinistic talk and tendencies in this storyline, especially around this pool party. You've got Gar Logan, who's hitting on everything that moves. And then Starfire, who's 
you know, saying such suggestive things like, I don't understand why we can't just walk around naked. And, you know, I mean, for the day, that stuff was very risque. I was wondering how you read that. Yeah. So, yeah. So Beast Boy is a real lecherous kind of nerd. Yeah, he's right. Uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't hold anything back. And he's he's always he's basically like there's this guy that I knew in college. He basically walked up to anyone he could see and said, will you sleep with me? And they'd slap him. <laughs> but, but it was on the premise that one out of 100 would say, OK. Right. So he's like, I'll just get slapped. It's fine. Ninety nine out of a, times out of 100, I get slapped. Right. But that one time. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I didn't read it as as being terribly it felt innocent for what it was. It wasn't like super like filthy and overt. It was almost like a winking kind of like, hey, we could get together. You know, it wasn't despite the fact for the time it was lecherous. It felt mm-hmm. kind of tame and innocent here. And uh, we've talked on the show previously about some books that are kind of like overtly sexual and seem out of place. Mm-hmm. And this right. just kind of felt. You know, even Starfire's situation, she just felt kind of innocent. Like, I don't understand. Why do I have to wear clothes? Like, well, on Earth, it's, sure. so, the, it's so the boys don't lose their minds. It's why you have to wear right. clothes. <laughs> it's a public service. So do you feel like that only knowing the Teen Titans from the cartoon series, do you feel like this gave you a good insight into the characters from the comic books? Just these few pages? Yeah, more so this pool party. It really did. It helped because it, 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 it wasn't just, again, people fighting and using their powers. It was, well, who are you? Right. Why do I well, care? The pool party didn't last forever. And of course, a couple of crashers had to show up in the form of Ravager and Deathstroke. Deathstroke ends up trying to stop his son Ravager from going forward, although not letting him know, hey, I'm your father. I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm Deathstroke and I've heard what's been done. And I'm So, of course, the kid's not going to respond to that. I think if he had presented himself as his father, as opposed to the Deathstroke Terminator character, he might have he gotten through to him, but mm-hmm. nah, he didn't have a chance. I mean, the kid jumps out of the roof and, you know, down to the street like that guy, I'm just going to do this on my own. I don't need him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> turns out maybe you did. It was really kind of horrifying what happened to him. You know, Deathstroke was warning Ravager, like, you know, hey, you're you're not capable of this. And then he turns into like, you know, he dies, but it's like it just, mm-hmm. that power just sucked the life out of him. He just looked like an old yeah, man. Yeah, he just shriveled well, up. Yeah, because yeah. there's this whole uh, big yeah. battle where he's using his power. And the power, like he tells him, it's feeding on the energy from within you. And I thought that was a nice metaphor of talking about how hate can burn a person up inside, right? Because that's really where all of this stemmed from. You know, Grant Wilson hated the Teen Titans for what they had done to him in issue number one. So it was burning him up from the inside, not just mentally, but now physically manifested in this power sucking his life out of his body and leaving him this shriveled husk at the end of the battle. Wow, that th- that's like the deepest analysis I've heard on John and Panel. <laughs> that's impressive. I know you're going to want to move on to this second issue we talked about, but I have a quick question first, just to clarify. It seemed sure. to me that the cover of this book was a bait and switch. <laughs> so the cover, yeah, a little bit. All the Teen Titans are splayed out dead, mm-hmm. and then like in the book. Like toward the end, they're all kind of splayed out dead, but like it was in this frame. Was it an illusion? Was he led to believe they were all dead or what exactly? I couldn't follow the art. What exactly happened? Because clearly the frame right after they're all dead, they're all kind of standing mm-hmm. around licking so their wounds. Here's, like, yeah, here's what happened dead. inside the issue and what was going on with the cover. I'm, I'm going to address those separately. Okay. So the cover was designed for one reason and one reason only. This was a new series that they were really worried about for sales mm-hmm. and they were trying to grab people's attention. So back in the day, killing off all the main characters of a title in issue number two 
would be like walking dead type of stuff is now sure, right yeah, where you yeah. just you know you kill off rick's son and everybody's like i didn't think he could die yes he can so that's what was grabbing people's attention i specifically remember seeing that issue on the spinner rack at the grocery store and i had already read issue number one and going oh my god they're dead what happened <laughs> but it's kind of it is switch, and switch right? because obviously yeah. they're not dead mm-hmm. and they're not gonna die but so at the end when you see them all laying out splayed dead in front of ravenger's eyes mm-hmm. that's raven creating an illusion oh okay. and she did it. it she did it specifically to make him feel better as he died because for her when people die it's passing on to another realm and she didn't want him going with bad feelings is the only thing i can think Ah, you see there. Thank you so much. Yep. <laughs> no so problem. It's all, it's all Raven's you need fault. To ask, Professor George is here for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, doctor. That's well done. Okay. Now that the professor has cleared up my confusion about the bait and switch cover of issue two, <laughs> we can transition to the second book that we read this lead up to the Judas contract, the issue 34 of oh, the yeah. same series. Oh yeah. Right? And this certainly sets the stage for Judas contract. The first one does because it introduces us to characters who are going to be primary in the Judas contract storyline. But this one really sets up, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what we have to do. And all these characters, they, they get baited into the Judas contract storyline, essentially. And it's all based off of one character, and that's Tara Markov, or a.k.a. Tara. She just really sets the whole thing off. She seems kind of whiny at first when I met her. You know, she's very like, I'm not one of you. I'm all angsty because I'm only 16 and I control Mm -hmm. rocks. And it's like, come on, get over it. This is the Teen Titans. You know, you're not going to just be one of them right away. (laughs) But they were trying to accept her and make her feel better. And she just kept on being Yeah, they even made her a birthday cake and everything. Mm -hmm. They did, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's calculated as we're going to find out later on in the story as to why she's behaving the way she is. But it's also based in the fact that she's mentally unbalanced. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about that during her origin story when we were talking about the characters she's mentally unbalanced because of a her father ostracizing her and b that chemical being introduced into her system that's explained much later on after this series as a dc kind and of c, retcon she was forced thing, to eat dirt but, as we've established uh, forced to eat dirt. <laughs> <She> was- <laughs> tara was very just she was real brazen almost with the way she talked to these characters that were trying to be nice to her, especially Raven. And, you know, we get the sense that Raven's very suspicious. Mm, Yeah. Good point. I think she was most worried about Raven because Raven had the ability to sense her true Mm -hmm. nature and her true feelings. And that was probably the thing she was most worried about. You notice she wasn't really worried about Robin, you know, beating her up or wonder girl or even Starfire, but Raven had her scared a little. Yeah. Well, Raven is kind of scary. (laughs) (laughs) we need to talk a little bit about the main i don't know if it's the main battle but like the pre-battle battle i guess you might say and that's between tara and the terminator so tara and garfield beast boy changeling whatever you want to call him they're sitting there and this little screen pops up and it's the Terminator. He's broken into their feeds and he's like, I've got this guy here yep. and I'm going to kill him if you guys don't. And they're like, oh, and Changeling's like, I want to get that guy because he just tried to kill me a few episodes ago. And then she, she clocks, him in, clocks the him in the back like, of the I head. Be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, that's very non-hero to, thing to team, do, Tara. right? No wonder they're not accepting you. <laughs> you just punched me in the back of the noggin. <laughs> Right. And so she flies off on her stone surfboard, silver surfer style, as John said. She has this very short battle with with Deathstroke the Terminator, where it looks like that she's really got the upper hand for most of it. And he's just kind of saving himself here and there. And he keeps saying that you're stronger than the other. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're actually right. pesting me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And yeah, then quickly very quickly. You find so <laughs> not too long after she's in there and she gets in a bad spot where she's about to get taken down. Then of course the rest of the team, including Wally, Wally West, West, Kid yep. Flash, they all show up and they all pitch in to help drive off Terminator. And then she does the final blow and looks like she kills Terminator mm-hmm. forever. And yay, Tara is a teen Titan now because she's shown us how wonderful she is. And she's willing to murder. Hold, pump your brakes. <laughs> <laughs> pump your brakes. Because she's not quite as wholesome as we all are led to believe in that moment. A little bit later on, she goes back home to this old decrepit apartment where they found her in the first place where she claims she mm-hmm. was being you know, held by these terrorists who were forcing her to do all these bad things, which is how she gets introduced into the storyline in the first place. And who's standing there? Slade Wilson, Deathstroke the Terminator. Hey, honey, glad to see you made it home. What the f- Well, and no, hold up. Before she even goes, the moment before she leaves, you're like, you know what? You are a Teen Titan. You're pretty right. cool. Like, yeah, and just we're going to tell her. you all about our like, identities tomorrow. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So she goes home. There's Deathstroke. It not only were they in league together the entire time, she lets it slip that they met when she was 15 and he became her lover. Creepy. Okay. That's <laughs> a little too creepy even for comic books. I don't care what era you're in because that guy is yep. like 40 something at that point. You know, he's got, he's gray, got gray hair, hair and the one eye and everything. Like, yep. Come on, DC. Really? Wolfman gonna, and Perez? I love make, you guys, uh, but that was mm-hmm. too much. They didn't need to go down that route as far as we I need was to concerned. make. Uh, Deathstroke cellmates with Jared the Subway guy. Right. At this point. <laughs> that's just that. It, that's not cool, dude. I mean, wasn't cool. that out of line? I mean, did yes. they need to go yes. down that route? I didn't think you needed that. Like, couldn't you just have believed that they were in league together for their own purposes, and it didn't have to be that weird sexual thing? No, it did not. It, it no. did not. So I've got two questions for Professor George. Oh, on this. Lord, here we go. Put me on the spot now that you called me out. All right, go ahead. So you were reading this as it came out back in the 80s, yes. correct? Okay. So did the reveal of uh, Tara, Tara being a traitor, did that, was that just, did that blow your mind? 12 year old George's it, mind? It did at that point, only because I wasn't sophisticated enough to understand that once somebody is presented as a good person, it never entered my mind that they could then become a bad person and were a bad person the whole time. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember for like 12 issues at this point or something like that, she's been presented as a person who desperately is seeking their approval and wants to be part of the team. And even though, yes, she's kind of a jerk about it and she's crap and bitchy and moany and everything the whole time. You think as a kid reading that, she just really wants to be a part of the team and they're not letting her. Mm-hmm. So you're almost on her side, right? Mm-hmm. And then she yeah. does this crazy thing. Yeah, and you role get this reveal. Time. And I, I specifically remember reading that part about Lover. And asking mm-hmm. my mom, why? What? What? Isn't he much older? That's not legal, is it? And my mom like read those panels and said, I don't think you should be reading these comic books anymore. No more comic books for you, young wow. George. That that was so, my second question was how how did you take that reveal? Well, I didn't also, quite understand cause... all of it because I mean I understood enough of it, but I don't think I grasped the depths of depravity that that one word embodied. I mean, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta know, George was 37 before he finally understood what the birds and bees were all about. So I he really didn't yeah. have a firm grasp at that age. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to a lot of movies before I figured that out. So <laughs> it took me a while. But yeah, it was really weird and creepy. It, it blew my mind, not necessarily in the way that it might blow your mind. You're thinking of like, oh my God, she's, you know, she's in league with it. Just there was so much going on. And this is, you know, 30 years later. And I still remember feeling that way. So it was a 
crazy big reveal, at least for me as a comic book reader at that age. I think it really just goes to show you that's one more reason you shouldn't let your kids eat dirt. Because look what could happen. (laughs) (laughs) This old Fred Flintstone in the flash. Superman. Spider-Man. The things that smash. Under his left foot to whip. Yeah, something super new in underwear. You buy the underwear display when you buy underwear. It's underwear that's fun to wear. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. And that will wrap it up for this back issue edition of the Drawn and Panel Podcast. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, I got one final question for you. Oh, here we go. Are you excited to read the Judas Contract after reading these prequel stories? Jason, we'll start with you. Absolutely, I am. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, a chance to read more comic books, so of course I'm excited. But I read these two issues. Uh, I really like both of them. I like issue 34 probably the best. And I, I just like the character development. I want to see where it goes. Uh, and yes, so I am excited. You know, Jason, just because it's the Teen Titans and George asking, you don't have to say you're excited. You know, that's not <laughs> mandatory. Even It's probably recommended, but yes, not required. Uh, when I say I'm excited, I wouldn't say I'm excited to read it, but I'm more interested now in what happens in the Judas contract because now I have, you know, there's that whole magical context thing for me, right? That like sure. the pool party helped give the characters context mm-hmm. and reading these two books gave me some context into why, you know, you just gush and wax poetic over the Judas contract and how great it is. Now maybe I'll be able to figure out why because I get it a little bit about what the setup was. So sure. I'm more interested, we'll say that. And I get that my waxing poetic is colored in teenage rose-colored glasses and everything, <laughs> but I still think it's a great series. It's often listed as one of the top 10 stories of the 1980s from the comic book world. So I, I think it's in good company, if nothing else. Yeah, it's, it's well it's well based and founded in, uh, in other opinions, in fact. I get that. One last thing to do before we get out of here, and that is to thank our wonderful patrons over at Patreon dot com slash Gen X grown up. And that is you, Stu Baca, Will, Jessica, Dana, T2, Thomas, Slowmo, Corey, Agile, Stian, Marcus, and the newly added <gasps> Levi and Chad, who have just recently within this last week become members of that elite group of patron supporters <laughs> awesome. for Gen X Grown Up and Drawn in Panel. We thank you guys so much for jumping on board. Every little dime that we get through Patreon.com is a huge help to us every month, not only to yep. take care of all the expenses that we have for recording these podcasts, but just as an affirmation of the fact that we're doing something that people enjoy and love. I think, you know, the YouTube channel for Gen X Grown Up, the videos are going like crazy right now. We have these huge subscriber increases. The podcasts are doing gangbusters. People are tuning in new every single week. Mm-hmm. I, yep. It's all thanks to these wonderful people over at patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. Yeah, they really put fuel in the tank and keep us, uh, you know, motivated to keep going because it's like, you know, it's not just, we're not just throwing darts in the dark. There's somebody out there that's counting on us and believes in us and I couldn't be any more grateful. We will be back next week with our follow-up back issue edition to the Judas Contract New Teen Titans storyline and then two weeks after that with one of our regular podcasts. Until then, Jason, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was my pleasure. John, always appreciate you. <laughs> Bye-bye, you turkeys and creeps. <laughs> <laughs> 
Podcast listeners, we appreciate you most of all. See you later. See everybody later. (laughs) Bye-bye now. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.